going on, Valerie Lee? Not much, Chad. What's up? You didn't say my last name. Chad Kenny. Thank you. Uh, um, should we address the elephant in the room? Which is... Where is he? You're wearing a loud jacket, so therefore you're sitting really <laughs> still. Why do you always want to share, like, the production? it's really funny. Can you just make a noise? See? <laughs> Chad made the podcast mistake of wearing a loud piece of clothing, and then he had to sit still while we recorded our conversation. I yeah. just had to tell everyone. This entire episode, I am sitting extremely still. Honestly, I think it's funnier. Now everyone listening will think it's even funnier, especially if they're watching. Great. See, I was hoping that I was able to bypass this whole thing and no one would have noticed. And now no. people are going to be watching the episode being like, wow. Absolutely not. Not when there's something as fun as that. But anyways, how are you? <laughs> you know, I'm doing good, Val. Uh, feeling great. Feeling warm in your jacket. <laughs> Sorry. It we'll is, get it together. <laughs> you know, I was excited because this is the first time I've worn outerwear. Yeah, that's okay. true. Because it's getting slightly chillier, it even is. though it's still like almost 80 degrees okay. outside well, currently. Well, Val, it has always been frigid in this room. People, That's true. So I learned from... Y'all watching and listening don't know we're all suffering in this very chilly Valerie room. especially has powered through these episodes, yeah. uh, borderline shivering. Girls will know what I'm talking about. It's always too cold in like an office or something. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, I'm excited about sweater weather and uh, not really been a pumpkin spice guy, but excited about mm. pumpkin pie. That goes throughout the end of the year, Dude, Val. I do love pumpkin pie. Yeah. I do. It's kind of a top tier pie. Uh, and look, not trying to promote Kirkland because they don't sponsor, sponsor this us. show Hope yet. We are available, Kirkland. Yes, if you'd Kirkland. Like to give us a call. <laughs> fire pumpkin pie at Costco. Just want to call. <sighs> I do that believe out. that it's big too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you get volume and a great and, deal. I'm sure. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know we Unrelated. love a good deal, Val. Uh, but anyway, a good deal on this podcast. <laughs> Nostalgics came through. Yes, which has nothing to do with pumpkin pie, but. We love her, and it was really fun to talk to her. I'm glad we caught her, too, because I will say she's been very busy. Very busy. Now, I will say, she did herself say she's rocking the orange hair. Mm -hmm. She said she might have been borderline pumpkin, but she's not. That's true. She does say that. there is some correlation there. Maybe she's of the season. It is seasonal. It is seasonal. But honestly, the hair aside, because she she kills it with the orange hair, but she... Has been on a tear right now, touring mm-hmm. all over the country, all over the world. Brazil to Paris to Amsterdam to Denver and Alabama, which was yes. quite quite the awesome routing, routing. in just a month. Yeah, um, we got to talk about some of the cool shows that she's played, including a bakery in yes. Amsterdam. Yeah. Which I would love to attend a rave in a bakery because I love bread. <laughs> that seems, yeah, that is a consistent theme on this show. And, uh, yeah. but also, she was talking about a really cool thing where she was inspired by Dr. Fresh, who's a homie of ours, and yeah. recently played Dr. Fresh's uh, shrine show it's, yeah. as support. So it was a really cool full circle Has moment. Has a song with him, too. Like, it's really cool. I feel like she's a great person to talk to at this time in her career because it's like that example of she's done so much and she's very much like, not even up and coming, I would say has arrived and like hitting a whole new stride with her career. But it also was not that long ago where she was just someone who thought music could be a cool career. And like, it's really cool to hear her story about how she kind of decided to do it all and some of the new stuff that's coming up for her as she then returns to tour after talking to us. So yeah, it's a good one. Absolutely. And we're excited for her headline tour, her new EP coming out next year. Uh, The track she released with Rico Nasty recently has been making some waves. So really good time for Nostalgics to be here on the show. And we're excited to share it with you. Enjoy. Oh, here's some jacket sounds. 
have a fun question that I think we can start off with. Okay. It's like a conversation starter question, but I feel like for some reason you'll be like a specifically interesting person to hear an answer for. So the question is, if you had to give a 15 minute presentation about a random topic, what topic would you pick? And it can't be about music because obviously that's not like an easy one for all of us, I think. I think I would go in on mindset because yeah. outside of music, that's something that I like dig into a lot. And I like to like be very active on like practicing, like bettering my own mindset, reading books and just like trying to be a better person all the time. So I feel like I've just like read a lot of books and like I, I think about it all the time. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I feel like I could probably sit down and like have a really good like presentation or like I could teach someone about it. Yeah. Are you big into like meditation or how did you also get into that? I think it kind of, I think I started doing it when I started touring because I feel mm -hmm. like I needed something to kind of keep me grounded because when I first started touring, I I'd moved to the U.S. on my own and I was working like I don't want to say 24-7, but it was a lot. And I didn't really give myself a lot of free time to, like, do things outside of music. So I was just, like, on my own and, like, working so often that I felt like I needed to, like, find something that kind of, like, gave me, like, peace and kept me just, like, feeling, like, sane throughout that. Are there any, like, off-the-cuff off tips that you feel like are, like, the big ones that you hold mm. on to? I guess... I feel like it's I, I'm, I'm always like evolving with this and I'm always like learning more things about it. But mm -hmm. I think right now something that I'm really trying to practice is just being better at just letting things be and not needing everything to be like so perfect. Or like if, if I have a vision for something, it doesn't have to be 100 percent that or it's not good enough. Like it's OK to have that be 90 percent. And I can just look at that and be like, you know what? I did that. I'm proud of that. And I can like walk away and start working on the next thing without feeling bad about myself because it's not that 100% that I wanted. Yeah, mm. that's such like the perfectionist curse, right? It's also the thing of like when you when you have a such a clear vision, sometimes you're so afraid to even start it, right? Because it's not going to ever get there. But no, that's good. That's I feel like that's a really important one, especially as you get really busy with tour. Yeah. You're also really into meditation, right? Uh, a bit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that is also kind of like waking meditation, but like what you're saying with mindset, uh, it's really important. Uh, I think just being constantly present, however you can be. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, more recently, I've definitely been aware of how much I look at my phone. And it's yeah, really crazy. One. Like, that's a weird one because like we, our impulse control is just like, you'll just pull it up. Mm -hmm. You know, even at like dinner or something like and you'll, even if it's just you and someone else, like you'll just pull it up just impulsively. And I don't like I don't really like that part of, you know, how we're programmed within our mindset. So I've been trying to be like extra careful about times where I can't just sit there and be present, you know, because mm -hmm. I don't know if that's, that's something that may, maybe you feel at all. But I do think that with what we do, there's a lot of stimuli just like built into our career. And I, you have to almost work twice as hard to like free yourself of it, you know? Yeah. Is that something that do you, do you agree or disagree with? A hundred percent agree. I feel <laughs> like I, I've like, I, I keep hitting these points where I get like really good at it. And I'm like, 
like I feel like I'm so able to just like control my mind and like feel very present with everything that I'm doing and I stay very like active with with doing that and like I have my own little practices that I do in order to like be able to show up and feel like present in a moment yeah but then I feel like at times that I get like really busy with touring or if I'm doing like a lot of shows a lot of this and I just I get so like so so busy i find it so hard even coming off of that to like try to be present yeah like the last two weeks actually i've been like i've been trying to get back in that place of just like being like very like calm and like hey i can sit at home and chill and i don't need to be doing 20 shows today so like you know (laughs) yeah yeah i can only imagine wait so tell us about the last two weeks because you said that you were traveling a lot like you were gone for like pretty much just like a month yeah right so the two weeks there's been kind of like a decompression after the a little bit but I I feel like when you get back after like being on the road for a long time there's so much that you have to do that you haven't been able to do on the road Mm -hmm. so even when I'm like I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna like take some time for myself I feel like it's there's just like more that you could be doing or like you haven't gotten proper studio time so like you want to hit the studio but um I basically last month beginning of October I'd left um for an entire month. That was the first time I've done that, which was actually really cool. Nice. So I packed yeah. my suitcase. I went to uh, perform at Tomorrowland Brazil. Um, wow. Then I went to Paris. Then I went to Amsterdam for ADE. Then I had a show in Denver and then Alabama. Um, <laughs> oh. Now I just got back. So spots. Oh, wow. <laughs> you covered what a random, all the yeah, different Yeah, what a random regions. collection yeah. of places. <laughs> Everyone that. always thinks about, you know, Paris, Amsterdam. Uh, and Alabama. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Alabama <laughs> Roll Tide. Yeah. Um, no, that, I mean, that that's really cool, though, that, I mean, first of all, that music is taking you all these places. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I guess that goes back into, like, so when you're in that, I mean, that that's just, like, an insane kind of touring. It's just, there's no, the routing is kind of, there's no rhyme or reason. You know, <laughs> I way. know, yeah. Sometimes it is like that. Sometimes it makes more sense, but sometimes you got to just you, go. Yeah. You just go yeah. for it. You just kind of let go and yeah. get yeah, on like, Whatever, just going. take me wherever. The bookings will dictate your life. <laughs> yeah. um, but so how do you, how do you keep that mindset? Because see, like a lot of people, I'll, I'll just say for me, like it, when I'm on the road, it's hard to like really adhere to like any schedule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like the things that you need, like the systems that you put in your place in place in your life to establish like a good mindset so how do you maintain that when like all these things are changing your environment your sleep schedule all that yeah see i think as a a touring artist there's just like a lot of changing variables all the time Mm -hmm. there's never like that much that's like um i guess like the same or like there's not that much like stability in it because like every day is always different yeah but i think for me what i found that works is like being very on top of my health and fitness. So I like to work out a lot. And like, I think going to the gym and like doing like boxing classes or like lifting and and those things help me kind of stay more grounded. And those are the things that kind of bring me to the like present moment. Mm -hmm. But I've been having an interesting time, like even doing that now, because when I got back from Amsterdam, I'd done like, I think I did 10 shows in the span of uh, four days. So it was just like not (laughs) sleeping and it was like a lot of shows. I I even did a panel at ADE. So it was like, just go, go, go constantly. Yeah. And then when I got back, I'm like, so weird that even like working out, I feel like right now my head is still like going and being like, Hey, what can I do now? What can I do now? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll talk about ADE because there's some cool things that happen, but Mm -hmm. on the fitness kind of correlation with mental health, like, are you able to work out on the road? Yes. Okay. 
That's but, that's really impressive. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I used to be like crazy with it, where like I would get like two hours of sleep and be like, I need to go to the gym, and I would oh, go. Wow. But I'm uh, being smarter about it now, so I've learned that you actually need to sleep. That's a thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, <laughs> very yeah. important. So now I only like go if I can get like uh, like seven or eight hours of sleep. Mm. Oh, so when you're on the road, like, are you able to go to other like? Let's say you're in a European city, like, you know, you can just go to a gym there or you just find one and kind hotel of hotel gym, maybe hotel gym. Yeah. Usually I say like hotel gyms Okay. or I'll find like workout classes. Like when I was in France, I found um, this boxing class oh, wow. and I went, I was, I was the only person that spoke English, <laughs> but I know, <laughs> I know like, a little we'll bit of French. We'll just show you what to do. You're yeah, like, that's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. The instructor kept coming up to me and he's like, and the... <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> they keep showing me and I'm like, okay, I got it. Got it. Like, I can follow along. This is good. Oh, they must have loved you too with the hair coming in. They're like, yeah. you know. Like, who is, yeah, who is this insane person with the orange <laughs> hair can't even speak French? I feel like a lot of people don't realize, like obviously as an artist or if you've ever been in like a touring party, you realize what the schedule is like. But for people out there, they just go to the show and like see an artist pop up. But like a tour schedule can literally ruin your whole day because it's like you're traveling, you arrive. Like you said, you may have like two mm-hmm. hours of free time. Yep. But then it's like really when it comes down to it, two hours is not that much time at all. Yeah. And then, and then you're then... just kind of in this in between and then you can't yep. go like get in a car and get food. Like you have to just eat whatever food's available to you. Yeah. So... You eat Taco Bell at five in the morning. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, I feel uh... like people sometimes don't realize like actually how much of a time warp like touring can be. So yeah. Especially when you house two chalupas and then go straight to bed and have to wake up four hours later, you know, it oh, just God, really does Dad. something to your system. Uh, <laughs> No, but uh, yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm really impressed though that you could. <laughs> <Tough times. laughs> it's like you good. It is like that. <laughs> well, no, because it, it's like for you to, you know, to be able to kind of still implement that is like, you know, that takes that takes a decent amount of discipline though. Mm-hmm. Is that something that's more recent, or has that always been kind of how you've been? I think always. I think since like 2018, when I decided to just go all in on music. I think since then I've just been like very insane and like hard on myself about things where I'm like if if I tell myself I'm gonna do something I have to do it Mm. but like I I feel like I'm better at it now where I'm like okay well I didn't get enough sleep so like maybe instead I'll go like another day instead of being like I have to do it but um I don't know I feel like I've always just like had that mindset of if I tell myself I'm gonna do it then I have to do it Mm. yeah because I want to keep that word to myself yeah Uh, yeah that's I mean, that's a really, yeah, that's powerful. <laughs> so where were you at in 2018 when you said you made the decision to kind of go all in with music? I was in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, so I'd been like, I'd been DJing for a little bit and I was kind of playing around with Ableton at the time, but like, I honestly had no idea what I was doing. Like I was just sampling Family Guy, and, like Stewie Griffin. I, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I was like in my parents' kitchen, like sampling, like, was it Cool Whip? Um, yeah, yeah, whip specifically. Cool whip. Yep. yep. But yep. um in 2018, um I was in Vancouver, Canada, and I saw Dr. Pre- Dr. Fresh performing, and it was my first time seeing like bass house, G house music, and mm. it was just to me the coolest thing in the world. And I was just standing in that crowd and I was like this is like the sickest thing I've ever heard and I want to learn how to make this. And I went home the next day and I was like I'm 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 doing this. And never looked back. Wow. Whoa. And then <laughs> just like uh, uh, a month ago, you opened for Dr. Fresh at the Shrine. 
I know, and we have a song full together. It's, it's very full circle. That it's is amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, what kind of music were you into since you said that was kind of like your first exposure to bass house or the sound of bass house? So, like, what were you listening to or making before I think, that? Like the first EDM song I ever heard was um, "Animals" by Martin Garrix. Ooh, a classic on the radio. <laughs> yeah, a classic. I think that was like not that long ago either, which is kind of crazy. I think that was like yeah. twenty. 16 or 50, yeah that was like the era yeah. yeah and then since then i started kind of doing like after that i started doing um a deep dive into like what is edm i want more songs like that that's so. true it did have a very specific kind of sound that was very it, like, it was like a head turner like people were like Unique. what is this yep. you know like and um also he when he dj'd at ultra on the live stream i remember that being also a moment for a lot of younger people maybe that were your age and, and younger they're like, oh, I can, he's so young and he's right. doing this. I could do this too, you know. Um, In my head, Martin Garrix is like just forever like a little kid. Like when I look <laughs> yeah. at him now, I'm like, oh my God, who's this like older guy? Like, <laughs> right. No, he's him? never going to get old. No, He'll he does have a little thing. bit of like a little baby He's face, got a Frank, but... he's the Frankie Munez of EDM, right? Yeah. From, you'll always see him as, Every is that time too I'm dated? I'm alarmed looking at him. I'm like, when did he get old? That means I got old. <laughs> is uh, he old? No. And he's not old. He's not old, but he's just like a man now, you know, like I see him as like a little teeny bopper in my mm -hmm. head always just because i remember watching totally. him also totally but well yeah. no but that's that's cool because i i have said on this i don't know if it was anecdotal but i have said that you know your generation a lot of people they heard martin garrix on the radio and that that's your music from your you growing up mm -hmm, that yeah. wasn't something that like you're an adult and then you got like kind of ushered it was part of you know your growth and uh, right alongside your stewie griffin beats you know <laughs> Like, I listened to Martin Garrix and Stewie Griffin, and that was, <laughs> that was it. That's all your parents were like, what's going uh, on in that's... this kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> cool flip, wop, 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 wop. Can we, we also have to leak that track. Do you still have it? The, I probably the would, because yeah. I, I save like everything, so I still probably have that project file. Yeah, I think Family Guy is kind of coming back now. It's like we're in that. For sure. I'm getting a lot of those yeah. Family Guy. It's also a classic <laughs> quote, the cool whip one, yeah. you know? Cool like it just, it, to me, I was like, this is a hit. I was like, this is my breakout song. It's going to be Stewie. You were also way ahead of your time because I feel like now we're so in the era of like sample, like, you know, yeah. sample madness. So yeah. it could be the time, honestly, to bring it back. Honestly, it's all <laughs> intersecting here. I think we really struck gold on this podcast. For, yeah. So. Family Guy. Wait, wait, wait. Stewie Griffin, techno edit. Let's go. <laughs> we brought you here just to make that oh, happen. Oh, man. So well, was there was there any, sorry. No, no, no. Was there no. any yeah. um, musical influence in your family, like, to encourage you to be experimenting like that? Not at all. Really? Um, so I was born in Iran. Mm -hmm. So my parents, like, well, in Iran, there's just uh, being a musician is just not a thing. It's not an option. Like you, you can't even dream about it. It just doesn't exist. Um, so I, I never really grew up thinking that, you know, that would ever be a possibility. Mm -hmm. But uh, growing up in Iran, we did have like uh, a lot of like um, music that was made by Persian artists, but they were like living in the States, like artists like Arash. Um, and I've, I've gone back and listened to some of the songs and I feel like there's actually a lot of like dance music influences, I bet. Yeah, which is kind of interesting, which makes sense why I love dance music so much today. Yes. It's just like the, the energy of it. And I feel like going back to like 
um, listen to different Persian artists. It, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's really cool. And it, that's a common thing, right? Because I, I have other friends that grew up in Iran as well and have talked about how Western music was just like not really in the conversation or mm-hmm. like where when they grew up. So was, that was your experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my my grandparents had cable mm-hmm. um, in Iran, so I could always go to their place and see like, uh, was it MTV or like much music? The, the music videos? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that what it was called? MTV, yeah. I mean, MTV, it was MTV yeah. that had all the music videos. For yeah, sure. so I yeah. remember like watching that as a kid. So I would see like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Missy Elliott. Mm-hmm. Like those were always like the people that I, I really looked up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's really cool. And then so after that, you grew up there or you were born there. And then how long were you there before you moved to Canada? Uh, my family moved when I was seven years old. Okay, so you were young, and then mm-hmm. you moved over to Canada, and then obviously, kind of following your instinct of being interested in music, did you start listening to stuff on your own then? Well, I don't think I really found found out about like dance music or a- anything like that till probably 2015 or 2016. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was kind of like sheltered a little bit. I was just like so like off in my own world, just like focusing on school. I was always just like a really good kid so I like I, I never got student? into like going to parties or anything <laughs> yeah like, I was uh president of um student council I was leading uh I think it was like, called the we day council it's kind of like uh kids trying to better the world cool so I was a leader in that I was doing basketball I was just like I was kind of like running a lot of things in my school mm-hmm. mm. um so I never really got into like partying or like going to shows or anything until like my last year of high school Mm-hmm. And then it kind of unlocked for you there. Yeah, and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> now we're sitting here. I think I think I'm doing pretty no, good. Doing I think great. life no. is pretty good. You're doing great. I mean, I always find it really fascinating when people because I similarly, you know, my parents were not a musical like musical themselves. They loved music, but it wasn't even like a big staple of our household when we grew up. So I always find it really interesting when someone you know f- finds a path actually pursuing music or something music adjacent it's like mm-hmm. you really have to find that interest on your own and then choose to pursue it which can be very controversial sometimes for some parents you know it's a tricky life to yeah pick. so I, I but so for you you said doc, dr fresh was like one of those moments yeah but then you were like did you discover like the vancouver club scene and kind of like or the just mm-hmm. what what kind of scene were you were you in did you break into so I started DJing like the first uh, week that I went to university Um, and right away I was like, you know what, I'm just going to I'm going to learn how to do this for fun. My goal was I'm going to do one show just to know what it feels like. And then I'm done. That's it. (laughs) A one and done for forever. (laughs) (laughs) Big lie. Big lie. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But um, I I just kind of practiced in my dorm room for like a couple months and I always like tried to look for gigs. So I'd send out emails to like random promoters and I wasn't even legal yet. So I couldn't actually go into the clubs, but I just (laughs) shot my shot anyway. (laughs) And then one day I was like on campus at this party and I got a call from one of uh, the bars on campus and they're like, Hey, our DJ just called in sick. Are you able to come in within the next 30 minutes and you have the gig? wasn't a paid thing or anything, but they're like, you can come and play. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. like, You're like, I'm there. Like, Say no more. Awesome. Yeah. Oh I God. literally ran across campus, grabbed my little, um, what was it? Like a little pioneer mixer. Yeah. And it was like in this like old ass box that I'd got off Craigslist. And I just ran across 
campus in shorts, plugged in. <laughs> I started playing. I had no idea what I was doing. That's awesome. But That's somehow, yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, DJing in the dorm, did you have monitors or were you on headphones? Because I'm sure your roommates loved it either way. I had like really bad monitors. Like, yeah. you know, the ones that had like um, the, the water coming up, like the $25 ones on Amazon. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Way more for show than for sound. That's I'm incredible. Sure. Wait, so did your roommates like the fact that you were aspiring DJ? I didn't have any roommates. Oh my so. gosh. Well, yeah. that is. Wow. My mixes life. were pretty bad. I, I would okay. mix like uh, dubstep into Taylor Swift, but it wasn't like done well. Okay. It wasn't. Dying. Yeah. Well, I had five. I would go I, off nowadays, I would say, probably. It does yeah. go off. Now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like it does. The reason why I asked is I had five roommates and I also had a full DJ set up with monitors and it was you like. were causing chaos. At in first, that people household. liked it. And then after a while, they're like, so, Chad, um, are people going to stop coming over at some point? Because <laughs> we got to like, study. <laughs> but no, it's it is. I think college is a great time to get into DJing because you have like an audience, no matter what. Kind mm-hmm. of also and you're fearless. That's the other part, yeah. right? You're just yeah. kind of like, yeah, I'll try anything once. Yeah, you like took. You said <laughs> you ran across. You took whatever gig you could, right? Yeah, I feel like I've always kind of like had that mentality of like, when there's a door, why not walk through it? You yeah. never know yeah. what other opportunities will lead you to. So what opportunities did you get after you, this 30-minute, last-minute impromptu set? Mm, that set was so bad. <laughs> I think I opened with uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean theme song. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I had no Amazing. What a choice. <laughs> it was pretty good. But somehow, someone was in that room that day and saw me playing, and they liked what I was doing, and I got offered another gig from there on campus. Wow. And then... That gig led me to another one. Wow. And it kind of just kept snowballing. Like I did one show, someone saw and they were impressed and they wanted to give me a chance. And from there, it would be another person. And then I went from doing shows all around campus, playing at like frat parties and all these like crazy places um, to doing shows downtown in Vancouver. Nice. Cool. And I hit this point where like I got to perform at all the clubs in Vancouver hit like all my milestones of like the clubs I wanted to play. And then I was like, okay, that's cool. Like I I did it. I did all the things that I set out to do. And then I decided I wanted to take it further. And I submitted my DJ mix to this, this competition to perform at this festival. It's called Paradiso in in Seattle. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember Paradiso. Is that the gorge? Yeah. Yep. And your girl won. <laughs> oh my god! Was go. that like your first festival yeah. experience, or just like had you been to festivals? I'd been to festivals because okay. so I, I spent a little bit of time like um, backpacking and just going to festivals around the world before I decided to. Oh, that's cool! Be a DJ. Where did you go? Tomorrowland. Amazing. That's a good um, one. I went to Ultra. What else did I go? How to? long were you backpacking for? Um, was it just like different times? Like I would go at like different times. I, I basically like before I decided to become a DJ and before I was going to university, I spent like uh, a year after I discovered animals and I just spent <laughs> that year wanting to just know more about it and like go to like all the shows that I could go to. And I was really big into traveling. So I would work as um, a server and I would save all my money and I would just go traveling alone. So I bought a flight to uh, Thailand, like a, a one-way flight. And my my plan was to go for two months and I didn't have a return ticket. Wow. And I had no plans for even like the night that I landed. So I, I just oh bought gosh. a flight, landed in Thailand. And I was like, 
I'm going to see what happens now. Wow. That must have been amazing, though. It was. so fun. Did you stay in Thailand for the full two months or did you even stay longer? I ended up like meeting a lot of people and went to to Bali, Mm -hmm. which was really sick. That's that's amazing. Wait, so this was in between high school and university? Yeah. You took a you took a gap year? No, I didn't take a gap year. I think it was like the the, the summer. The of, summer right, yeah. uh, right wow. before. The summer right before. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really all. cool. I was like, yeah. how many lives have you lived? I, I know. I've done a lot. To be honest, it's yeah. crazy. Even what color was your about. hair then? <laughs> Definitely Brown. not orange. Okay. <laughs> not orange. <laughs> Definitely not bright orange uh, quite yet. Yeah, I think no, I've done a lot to be honest in this life. Life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, you've li- you've lived so long. I mean, yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so you went and you won the the festival yeah. competition. So you went and performed, and then was there any similar thing where like someone saw you there and then like brought you else somewhere else after that? I think with performing at that festival, that was my first time where I, I like I got to perform on a stage like that, and I was playing the opening set on the main stage on the first day, and the festival actually hadn't opened um the gates yet mm. so there's no one at my set it was just this big <laughs> stage the gorge amphitheater and then Still i was performing cool. mm-hmm. and the security guards were dancing having a great time i love that and i was just dancing around being like oh my god look at this big stage like tiesto is <laughs> closing the stage tonight yeah. this is so sick yeah. but i ended up just um walking off that stage and i remember having this little moment and i feel like that moment's always stuck with me but I had this moment where I walked off stage and I was just thinking, I want to do this for real. I want to make my own music and I want people to come and see me play for a specific song. Mm. Not just to come see me DJ, but I want to be here as an artist and not as a DJ. That's really amazing because I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's maybe something that gets overlooked a lot of the time of like feeling pride in your not only your set but yeah like the the reason why people want to come is not only to just have a good time at your set but to like to hear you and something that you made so that's really cool that you like recognize that feeling so early on so then I'm guessing once you went home after that it was all about learning how to make music right yeah so how did you how did you go about it well at the time I didn't really know anyone that actually did make music or was doing this so I think for me it was just like a a deep dive of just like trying something out and then seeing where that took me. Mm-hmm. I started off by watching a lot of like YouTube videos. I think I watched a lot of like Zen world videos. Like that was like the thing. <laughs> um, and then at a certain point I was like, I feel like there's just things that I don't quite understand and I can't really like get a grip on. So I started finding different like local producers and I would hit them up to do like mentor lessons. That's cool. Like I sat down with Sosas one time and uh, they taught me all about like, 808s and like I sat down with another friend one time who taught me all about like making fills so I kind of just like learned little tidbits from like different producers I could find um and then I kind of hit a point where I was like I feel like I'm still not advancing at the level that I'd want to so I'd wanted to go to a production school Mm -hmm. and I was still like I was in university at this time but I was kind of just more focused on like wanting to learn Ableton and and, like make music. But I really wanted to go to Icon actually. Mm -hmm. Here we are. (laughs) Here Here we are. are. (laughs) But I I could not afford it. And being Canadian, like there's just no way I could afford it. Mm. Um, And one of my friends told me about this uh, production school that was online called Cosmic Academy. 
So I ended up joining and it was like a a three month boot camp Mm -hmm. where they kind of just teach you everything that you need to know and you go. And I I decided to do that. And I feel like it was like all the, the tools that I needed to like just become a good producer. And like they they taught me about mixing, all those things I needed to know. So I think from there I was able to actually like make good music. Yeah. I mean, that's that's great that you it seems like you're the kind of person where you don't take any sort of like block as an answer. And I appreciate that because I feel like it's I was going to ask. I was like, it sounds like Vancouver. Maybe you hit all the clubs, but I don't know like what the scene is is like over there. But then you like found some people to teach you things, which is I mean, it takes it takes a lot of courage to do that. Just hit someone up cold and be like, hello, I need some help. Like, show me how to do things, please. Um, but that's awesome. Do you ever go back to Vancouver and like, like stand, do to stay in touch with any of those folks that you... I do, yeah. yeah? That's I feel like Vancouver has a very like tight-knit community of producers. Jabez is actually yeah. from there too. Whipped yeah. Cream is Felix Cartel. No thanks. <laughs> I feel yeah. like everyone out there is just like... I feel like everyone out there is doing something very unique yeah. and special, but it's a, it's a pretty like tight-knit community of like, Who's doing it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an awesome city. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, feels really clean. <laughs> it is very clean. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like it, it, it's, it's creating its own identity as an electronic music city. Um, a lot more people route through Vancouver on their, on their tours now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's definitely, I, it, it's always interesting with like different cities, how they, there's certain things that they like. There's certain mm. sounds that they're known for. There's certain artists that have come from there, like you mentioned. Um, so Vancouver, I, I think, for, from what I've seen, is still a little bit more developing. Like, yeah. I, it's not as established, like, what they're known for, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's just not as many peoples in the States, so it's harder to, like, build a really, like, strong scene. But I think Vancouver does really have a, like, a good community for it, and it's mm-hmm. building. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's cool. I'm always like talking to promoters in other cities who are like trying to do their own kind of things that we've done out here in LA with like Brownies Lemonade or they're trying to do a boiler room or they're trying to do something like that in, in their market. And I think that it just takes time to like, because mm-hmm. you have to basically usher in a, a whole group of people like, you know, they might be their first time ever, like a bunch of people who just heard Martin Garrick's Animals. Like you got to find those people in your city and then mm-hmm. like bring them to your party that like, and then you create your own kind of um, culture, but it definitely, it does take time, you know? And I, 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 I think that now I see that in places like Vancouver, that, that there is the, the, the seeds mm-hmm. that will grow. But I think there was a long time where people just weren't throwing electronic music parties as much as well. Yeah. So we kind of went through that era. You guys have done shows in Vancouver, like as, as brownies, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the first show we did there was at Celebrities and um, I, it was... It was definitely like a, a lightly attended show. Mm-hmm. It was on our first Brownies Lemonade tour. And I was like kind of a little, it was kind of like a, a it was kind of like a shock to me because mm-hmm. I was like, wow, it really is hard to like go to other cities and try to explain like what we're doing, you know? You take it for granted almost, right? It's like, I think what you're saying is totally right. Like it takes a while to build for the audience and also to like teach them about certain music types or scenes or whatnot so yeah something like brownies maybe confusing to a city that's like what is we've never heard dance <laughs> totally. music. like yeah. why would i go to a show that's called brownies and lemonade totally yeah it, it was <laughs> it was one of those things where um you know I'll, I'll one of the stories that i liked about that is you know celebrities is kind of like a nightclub it's like a 
you know, bottles and, you know, kind of nightclub. Mm -hmm. And so when we're bringing in kind of like our like left of center bass music into that space, you know, it's, it's different. Right. Very. And I was opening and there was like 40 or 50 people and they were kind of like really far away. (laughs) And so I was like up there, like a Spotify playlist with arms, like just like doing my thing. (laughs) And then kittens came up after me. Um, uh, She's a a well-known DJ here and uh, she's awesome, but she's like, she'd been touring more and she looked at me and she was like, She's like, yo, don't worry about it. Like this happens, like this kind of stuff happens to everyone. She's like, yeah. I was on this tour with this huge artist and you think that he sells out every stadium. And let me tell you, there's some nights that are not mm-hmm. like that. You know, yeah. you just don't see it. Yeah. And then she went up and she was like, okay, everyone, my name is Kittens. Can everyone please take 20 <laughs> steps forward? She's like, come closer. <laughs> I love that. I was like, that's a pro right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You know? She's like, I'm so, going to make this work. <laughs> yeah. And it's great when you like kind of, you you meet people along the way who kind of like teach you these little tricks of the trade, not to, yeah. you know, you know, like, like you're saying, whether it be production or how to conduct yourself in a live setting, like those things help, you know, over yeah. time. Um, were there any other people that like helped you get more comfortable with like live performance and that? Cause I'm you, after that festival, I'm sure you did other things pretty quickly, right? I think that it actually took a lot of time, like after that festival, cause after that festival is when all the, like when all the learning really began, okay. cause I was already a very good DJ, but I wasn't a very skilled producer yet. Mm-hmm. But I think I've been very lucky to have um, a lot of people support me and kind of mentor me within the music industry. Like, I think AC Slater has been a really big supporter who's taught me a lot and, like, um, just, I feel like, shown me the way, in in a sense. Um, Dr. Fresh as well, actually, and Bijou. I feel like they really supported me, like, early on in my career. Like, they put me on, on their labels, on their shows, and just helped me as a friend. Like, there's a lot of times where I actually sat down with AC Slater and he would just like take time out of his busy schedule like running a label doing all these things to just be like hey like are you okay how are you doing are you adjusting to LA like what do you need and he would literally just sit down with me and like give me like tips and I'd be like I'm overwhelmed like I don't know what to do and he would just be like here's some advice Mm. and like it's amazing yeah yeah it's so valuable because he's like an artist that's really seen it all mm-hmm. at this point. So yeah, it's really heartwarming, you know. Yeah, I know. So one of the best people. I swear. <laughs> I swear that man. I've never heard anyone say a bad thing about AC. Slater. Yeah, I, I will say that. It, people need. I think mentorship is one of those things that. Um, I don't know. Like I don't know the state of mentorship in our scene in 2023, but I definitely don't feel like it's as common to have a mentor as it was like back in the day, Mm -hmm. like someone who kind of like guided you, but also kind of got on your case to like do better. You know, I think having those people to keep you honest in your life is important. Um, So I'm, I'm glad that these, those, those folks you mentioned helped you out because yeah, it's just like unfortunate that some people don't have those figures in their lives, you know? Yeah. And I was going to say also, it's pretty cool to hear, like, I think one theme that we hear a lot with guests on our pod is like coming from like the SoundCloud era where you've met people online and like found them through that way. But it's cool to hear that you came from somewhere that seemed really far away. Obviously distance is not that far, but like just far from like a scene like LA and then you came and you were just able to kind of like find your place in a way. And obviously it's probably not as easy as I just made it sound, but I feel like that journey on its own is, um, commendable for sure yeah so when did you finally make the move to LA when you started making music and decided that this was your thing 
It was, I think it was July 2021. It was right after COVID had ended. Mm. I'd just gotten my visa and I packed two big suitcases <laughs> and I had like a visa for six months. Yeah. Did not have like any money. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to just go. I'm going to figure it out. I've always wanted to move to LA. This is my opportunity. I'm going to take it. I don't know if after six months this is going to work out, but I've gotten rid of my apartment. I wow. know I don't have anything else left in LA. I'm just going to take these two suitcases and like the little bit of money I have and I'm going to go and try this. Yeah. And you made good work out of the six months, I would guess, right? <laughs> I, I worked. I, yeah. I really, really worked. Yeah. So what were like some of the first things that started happening once you arrived? Uh, well, the first thing I had planned was performing at Hard Summer. Amazing. Which was massive. That's I feel a pretty like good first one. That, yeah. It was very good. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Especially after the that, post-COVID Hard Summer, which was yeah. yeah, very well attended and a lot of good energy. Wow. <laughs> I'm like I'm, I'm like thinking about it like, you just went there yeah. for a second yeah uh, <laughs> I mean Damn. the craziest part is like that's not that long ago yeah that really is not that long ago remember I had like the blonde hair and like it was my first festival so I was like so nervous and like so excited well wow. my first like festival in the US mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow yeah that must have been quite the memory well, the yeah. first the, the doors were open Right. Well, the doors are open. Yeah, that part. <laughs> hey, but you played There's Veradiso. You still played it. You I know? had flames. I had I had flames. Wow. You're pretty sick. But um, but so that that I'm I'm interested, kind of like what COVID was like for you. Like, did you spend yeah. the lockdown period? Because I'm interested about the LA stuff, obviously, when you got here. But like, were you re- were you like planning your next move during that time that we were in locked in and um. Just for like for making that kind of a move, or was it kind of more spont- uh, spontaneous? I think the plan was always like once once it did open, because I I just signed with um, an agency right before COVID happened, mm-hmm. so I was set to be going on tour with AC Slater actually. Oh okay. Um, and COVID hit right when like the first tour date was, mm-hmm. so I never actually got to go do the tour. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of took that as um, an opportunity. To be like, you know what? I, I did really want to have more time to actually better my craft, make more music. And I was like, if I have all this time and I know I have the possibility of going to the U.S. to tour, why not just really like bunker down right now and just put in all the time that I can into the studio? I don't know how long like COVID's going to be, but I'm going to just put my head down. I'm going to work. And once this is done, I'm going to move to L.A. Mm. And that was always kind of my plan. So I just. I, I worked extremely hard throughout all of COVID just because I knew that like I could make it happen. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then you had you had that hard summer date kind of also as the kind of not necessarily an end goal, but you knew that you had that to work towards. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that that probably helps you, you know, it's kind of like an anchor, you know, and you know that you at least have that as like, you know, kind of build your timeline around. Um, but would you say that the hard summer set was kind of like a breakthrough moment for you? Yeah, I think so. I think. It just, it kickstarted a lot in my career where I actually started gaining like real fans that were excited to like come see me perform. And there was also a lot of people that had wanted to see me play before and they never got to her. Like they, they found me like on some kind of like live stream during COVID and like they got to actually see me live and they really liked my energy. And I feel like it just, it was one of those things that like just snowballed into like me getting a lot more opportunities from there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's... That's awesome. And you probably just kind of, you just kind of 
you you had this mentality where you weren't sure how long it was going to last, right? <laughs> so you're just kind of back in that college sense where you're like, you're just going to take yeah. good stuff. So uh, what's it been like since then? It's been crazy. <laughs> yeah. I feel, yeah, nonstop touring for you. We, we yeah. talked about that. Also, we didn't, we didn't ever get to talk about Amsterdam where yeah. you DJed in a bakery. Bakery, yeah, surrounded by baguettes. That that was so sick. <laughs> so that was something that Azar has been doing the bakery sets. Yeah, and he did I one. I know he usually does them in Paris, right? But yeah. he that did this sense. one for yeah. That's where he's from. Every year at ADE. Yeah, and I'd actually reached out to him because I'd seen a video and I was like, "Yo, I really want to play this. It looks so fun." Um, but it was such a like sick party because you go into like this this little bakery that's just <laughs> packed. There's no more room for anyone. Yeah. And you have to like jump over the counter to get in. And there's just like baguettes Behind everywhere, the croissants. Bread. <laughs> the bread counter. So good. That's so cute. And they were making pastries while you were mm-hmm. wow. they were? Oh, I didn't yeah. even know that part. It was like off to the side, so I couldn't really like grab it, but there was a baguette behind me, so I, I took a nice bite. Realize that I'm mid transition and yeah. Oh, God, I gotta get back to work. Excuse <laughs> oh <my God>. me. <laughs> mid set snack. I wouldn't be able to help myself. That oh would gosh. be quite embarrassing. Let's Your talk about some sick. of the <laughs> recent new music too, which like I actually, before we even get to like the new, new music, I do want to talk about your song with Rico Nasty. Cause I think that's so crazy that you have a song with Rico Nasty. Like how did that come together? That came together. I think like right after EDC of last year, okay. it was one of those things that were like, it started as an idea. I was working on the instrumental and I was thinking about like potential artists that I'd want to work with. And I, I was like, you know what? I think it'd be like so sick to get like a really badass rapper on it. Um, and I think Rico Nasty is someone that just has like the most like unique energy to her. Mm-hmm. And like that just really draws me to artists personally. And we ended up sending it over to her team and they really liked it. So it went from there. It's definitely been like a long process of like making that song. Because mm. even after we got the vocals and everything down, I kind of like switched up my mind. I was like, I want to actually make the song very different. Mm. <laughs> so, I, so I changed the production on it like oh, completely. Wow. Like the what the drop used to be. I ended up wanting to make it a lot more like high energy because I think after that period of time, I actually started playing a little bit more like high energy in my shows. And I wanted to really like bring that like... Um, that energy to the record. Yeah, yeah, and make it like feel like it fits in your set as well. That's so cool. Cause yeah, when I was re-listening to the song again, preparing for our conversation, I was like, it's also really cool. And I feel like something that we should highlight that you're on the song as well, like singing, rapping. I don't know if you like which one it is, but that's so impressive <laughs> mm-hmm. to like be doing that alongside someone like Rico Nasty. Like, was that something that you always knew you wanted to do as an artist? Or is that something that more recently you've just been like, let me like I started doing that I think in 2019 Mm -hmm. I did it just because I was like tired of like waiting to get vocals back from people I was like you know what I'm gonna just just try this out and it was something that I just really liked and I I loved the process of like being able to write and then also having it be my own voice has just been like very cool as as a producer I feel like because I'm able to bring more to a record than just like me like with cool samples and like like presets or like whatever I'm able to do on a computer like I can actually bring like my own expression to it yeah that's so cool I mean I just feel like in my head rapping just seems like one of the hardest skills ever (laughs) I feel like it takes a lot of practice to like yeah to be able to like flow with it yeah I feel like you also just need a necessary like an authentic and organic swag to yourself in order to be able to do it which is awesome that you have that 
Good for you. <laughs> She's like, all you right. Guys, you guys heard it here first. <laughs> I got swag. She's got the swag. She does Wait, it. Wait, so you told you talked about this Paradiso moment where you were like, all right, this is the this is a, a kind of like a watershed moment for me where like I'm gonna make the music that people are gonna come to see. Now, do you feel like you're in that place now? Are you getting there? I still always think about that moment. Cause I, I always I think I'm just someone that just always wants to like be better. So I look at this as like, I feel like this is the first day that I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And I always want to be like making more music and like doing this and doing this and doing this. But I've done it. Yeah. And I'm very proud of that. That's yeah. awesome. That's really, that's really great. I'm glad we got to hear about that moment when you realized that that's what you wanted to achieve. Um, but yeah, tell us about some of the new music that you have been working on that is going to be coming out very very soon yes yes so my new ep called star city is going to be coming out in february exciting um it's actually the project that coincides with war with rico nasty okay so war is the first single on the ep and in february i'm going to be getting to share all the remaining songs on it nice it's just it's the project that i think i've really gotten to express myself with as an artist I think everything that I've done leading up to now has been me like really finding my sound, finding my voice and finding out how I can express myself and bring my vision to life. And I'm really proud with the EP because I feel like I've done that sonically with with the songs, but also with the tour that's going to come with the show that's going to coincide. I feel like I've really gotten to bring my vision as an artist to life with the project. And I'm just really excited to get to share that. That's so cool. Are there what what do you feel like are like certain elements that, you know, as you're talking about, like expressing yourself, are there like certain sounds or is it like art or the, mm-hmm. the live show? Can you tell us? Can you preview a little bit of it for us? <laughs> I think for me, it's like the, the cohesiveness of the project. because I've never really gotten to sit down and like make a project specifically to 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 be able to create a show from it and mm. to be able to create a tour from it. Um, and I think with, with Star City, the, the cool thing about, about the project is all of the songs tie in with what the show is going to be. Ooh. And that ties in with all the videos that you're going to be seeing. Cool. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Because I was going to say, it sounds like there's definitely something you're planning as far as like the actual show itself. Yeah. And you are going on tour. Yes. When are you, when, are, when can people find you on tour? It starts the first week of January. Amazing. And it's going to be going all the way till the end of March. And you have like a, uh, a look that you're like, or do you have like a kind of a style that you're going to go for? Is it like a character or what? Like, can you explain that? Yes. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tell us more. To me, Star City is the world of nostalgics and it's the world that I want to invite people into. So when you come to the show, you get to step into that world of, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm my my vision and my project and i've wanted to do this as an artist since like the day that i started and um it's gonna be the visuals what i'm wearing the music Mm -hmm. all that nice it's it feels very like kind of cinematic in that way yes which is gonna i'm gonna segue to the next point because yes you mentioned the pirates of the caribbean theme song opening (laughs) your set uh you you like film it seems like because you also have acted you've been an extra and and appeared in several big films right tell us about that well before i i decided to make music and get into music i was actually pursuing film production okay and that's what i was doing kind of all throughout high school and 
I would just spend all my free time like uh, making short films, writing stories. And my plan was when I got into university, I was trying to go to UCLA mm -hmm. and I wanted to go to film school. So I have a big background in, in design and, and, and film. And what's actually really cool is I've gotten to bring that together with everything that I've learned as a producer and as an artist. And now I get to kind of bring those two worlds together. And that's a big thing that you're going to be also seeing on this tour. Right. I mean, it, I feel like it makes so much sense because I think before we started recording, we were talking about as an artist or sometimes you work in music, you have to do many different jobs at a time. Like you're designing the poster and doing all that stuff. So that makes it very clear now why your vision is so clear also. And I'm excited to see what your tour ends up looking like because I'm sure you've thought about all the visual elements that people are going to experience when they come in. It's definitely been a long process of... Uh, of working on it it's it's yeah. just so many little elements that go into it because it's not just about like sitting in the studio and making the songs it's also the, the the story behind it like the what the visuals look like and how that ties in with the music and I think that's been really cool for me to get to dig into that because of again like I haven't gotten to do something like that yeah um so I think being where I am in my career I'm excited to actually get to really show people like all those things that I love mm -hmm. and the abilities that I have and actually put it into like one project. Yeah. I mean, hmm. well, cause when you're constructing this world for star city, like were there, were there things that you were inspired by? I mean, if you don't want to give them away, that's fine. But like, mm -hmm. was there a kind of like a mood that you were trying to, yeah, that you're trying to channel? <laughs> I think for me it's more about like an energy that I've been trying to channel with the project of really being able to express yourself and coming mm -hmm. from like an, an empowered place. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's like the whole idea behind star city is being able to, to show up and be like the baddest in the room, the baddest bitch, <laughs> <laughs> but like just, just bringing this energy of like, yo, I'm gonna be who I want. I'm gonna do it how I want. I'm gonna dress how I want. I'm gonna say how I like, whatever I want. And I feel like for me, that's like the energy I've been trying to like really embody with the project is like something like very, dramatic mm -hmm. i love drama well yeah <laughs> i mean i was gonna ask you too because i i realized we i want i want to ask you about your hair because i think even though it sounds silly to ask about your hair like it's such a part of your look and, and you saying that you know tr the whole show and ep is going to be about like embodying this amazing version of yourself like doing something dramatic like coloring your hair bright orange is a decision yeah where did that come from because i feel like that must be part of like the project as well it was just an idea that I had, I think, yeah. last year. And I was like, I I'm just someone that if I have an idea, I feel like I have to do it. Yes. And I sense that as a theme in your I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, I just have to do it. So I, I had this idea where, where I was like, I feel like orange hair would be just really sick. Mm -hmm. It came out of nowhere. And then I think at the time I had like bleach, blonde, like super like white looking hair. Um and I was a little bit scared to do it. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I feel like to, to dye my hair orange yeah. when it's like this nicely blonde is like actually insane because I might look really bad and I might look like a pumpkin. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I wanted to do this, so we're going to do it. And I just went for it. And I feel like it's in a way just like become a part of like everything that I'm doing. I think so. But it too. wasn't on purpose. It was just something I was like, I think it's sick. I'm going to just do it. 
It makes sense. I yeah. mean, you feel. I feel like you look at pop stars and they always have like an era. And a lot of the times the hair or the hair color is a really big part of it. Yeah. So this could be this could be your era. This is the Star City era. Oh, this we love it. Star City era. Well, thank you so much for coming through. And we're excited about Star City, this era that we'll look back on and we'll be like, damn, I, I mean, we were there for it. It's coming soon. What an exciting way to start the year. I'm excited for you. I know. It's going to be a really good year and I'm just excited for everything to to start going on. Let's go. Let's keep it going. Thank <laughs> you guys for having me. Thank you yes. for coming through. You made it to Icon. Yes. Woo. Thanks, Icon. Thanks, Jose, our producer, invisible but amazing. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.